during the course of 26 years of what I would call a very successful marriage. Eric and I have developed certain tactics, tools, habits, I don't even know what you want to call them, that we believe are key to the happiness and success of our marriage. And today on the Weekly Walk podcast, we're going to share them with you. That said, before we dive in, allow me to remind you, we are not therapists, we are not experts, we are just two people who have managed to stay happily married for 26 years. So if you're interested and curious to hear some of the reasons and the hows and the tools and the tactics, lace up your sneakers and let's get going. Hey Eric. Hey Joyce. What do you want to do for Valentine's Day? I want to make pancakes and eat them in our bed in our pajamas. I want to get dressed up and go out for a fancy dinner. Oh, I better make reservations soon at Le Chateau du Millionaire. <laughs> that was your French accent? Yes. It's, oui. very, it's very sexy. Oui. Yeah. <laughs> Merci beaucoup, mademoiselle. Oh, are you going to do the whole podcast in French? Oui. <laughs> It will be a very short podcast. <laughs> you can do the whole podcast with a French accent? I could do that. Oh, my god! Is there a French accent day? Like, there's international talk like a pirate day. Is there, like, French accent day talk with a French accent? I don't think so, but there might be. There might be. Uh, uh, the French people, I don't know that they would really appreciate us Americans walking around butchering their accent. I don't think they would I think we'd be sort of making fun anyway. of it. Oh, that's true. I remember my sister told me a story about my niece when she was, I don't know, like three or four, was watching some show where they were in France, like some cartoon that took place in France, and everyone spoke with a French accent, so my niece started talking with a French accent. Like oh, that's that. hilarious. Which niece? I don't know the story. I think story. it was Jenna. It's hilarious. It might have been Lindsay, but one or the other. So... All right, no more no more accents. And do you really want to go to Chateau Le Maison? No. The house of the house. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you I thought it was the house of the house of millionaires. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, but here's the thing like everywhere I feel like everywhere I turn people are telling me, media is telling me, like advice columns are telling me that we need more romance in our relationship and what they say is romance are like date nights where you date your partner you get dressed up you make a reservation he opens the car door for you you go out to a restaurant and i don't actually really like doing that stuff yeah that's sort of not our jam but that means we don't have any romance in our relationship I think romance doesn't have to be a certain way. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to smell a certain way or taste a certain way. I think romance is anything that brings us closer. And I think that eating pancakes in our pajamas in bed is romance for us. Is that really an option? Can we actually really do that? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Can we do that tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can do that tonight, too. So today we're going to talk a bit about not just about romance, but we've had 
members of the community and members of the team actually encourage us to talk a little bit about how you, how we, not you, but how we maintain a pretty good relationship after a quarter of a century together. Yikes. <laughs> that's a while. Well, that's halfway through, halfway to goal. Yeah. Our, our marriage is not forever. We have a 50-year agreement. Uh, which is subject to renewal, but I have commitment issues. So 50 years was all I could possibly wrap my head around. Yes. At the time. But I think I'm... I think it's early, but I think I would like to exercise my option for renewal. I'm definitely leaning that way. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the, the things, I suppose, that have served us well over the last quarter of a century? I say it that way because it makes it sound really long. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to continue with what we started and just sort of uh, put a bow on it. Uh, do I get something with a bow? Yes. This thought, and I'll put this out for sort of everybody, is romance doesn't have to look a certain way. So, you know, there are there's the whole concept around love languages, and maybe your partner's idea of romance is a little different than yours, and you, you may have to speak their language sometimes. But again, it it doesn't have to be a dozen roses and dinner at Le Chateau de Maison. Of millionaires. <laughs> of millionaires. It can it can look like going camping and sleeping in a tent can be romance. It can be going going for walks. It could be lying in bed together reading eating pancakes, eating pancakes or reading a book. So just I think that's that's important. And and again, if your partner's view is, is a little different than yours, you know, work with them on that. What do you mean work with them on that? Well, go go to their view of romance. Like, for example, if your view of romance was going out to dinner on Valentine's Day and mine wasn't necessarily. And yours was pajamas and pancakes. Yeah. Uh, is that a scale? <laughs> the romance scale, pajamas and pancakes to Chateau de Maison de Millionaires? <laughs> no, because your whole point is that there is not a romance scale that's universal. Ah, good point. Anyway, so if you were... I'm always looking for an Eric scale in a podcast, for I know, sure. I love those. If you were rest, restaurant Chateau de Maison and I was pancakes and pajamas, I would still take you out to dinner. I would take you out for a fancy dinner on or around Valentine's Day or our anniversary or whatever else we were, you know, celebrating or looking or to do. Or a random Tuesday for oh, date night. Yeah, or a random Tuesday for date night. So it's it, it's about being flexible, but also, you know, again, realizing that other things, it, it can look different. Romance can look different. Romance that, can definitely look different. Yeah. But that's a really good segue to another another thing that I think has served us really well, which is if, and we're probably pretty lucky because we align on a lot of things like this, but if my idea of romance and your idea of romance were different, then there were going to be times where you did not do the thing I wanted you to do in my head. Right. My idea of romance is uh, flowers, roses. I don't really like roses, but let's say for argument's sake, 
that one of the ways that I want my partner to show love is by bringing me flowers from time to time. You don't do that very much. I don't bring you flowers. Not anymore. But if it was important to you, I think I would. If that was something that... that but that's, really... not, that's not my point. What's your point? Um, my point is... And it's not that it's important to me, but I, I would like that. Right. Um, I would like that. Okay. Uh, but if you don't, for heaven's sake, like, I just have to let that go. <laughs> so the next sort of thing on my mind is your partner is not going to be perfect. Unless it's me. Right. <laughs> unless, unless it's you. I'm definitely... If, you're, if I, you're partnered with anybody in the world other than uh, Eric, your partner is not perfect because I got the only perfect partner. I, I'm noting, noting a little uh, sarcasm there in your voice. What? <laughs> No, I will certainly admit that I am not perfect. And we were, what were we watching? Uh, Married at First Sight. Uh, regular listeners know we're into our trashy television. We were watching Married at First Sight. Which and, I've now sworn off because it's just dumb. And it, and does, it, nev it, it never it works. Work. Which is so interesting to me from like a sociological standpoint. Love is blind sometimes work works. Love at first sight, like, never works. Never works. But one of the characters, participants. I think you got to call them characters. One of the characters would always find something wrong with a potential partner. I mean, he admitted this, that he was, I think, in his mid-30s and wanted to find someone. But he'd find one little thing wrong with them, and he was out. And All right, so here's the secret. You're going to find so many things wrong with them, it's going to take your breath away. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that you have to find the right things that are wrong with them. <laughs> Some things are really just... Deal breakers, deal for breakers, sure. Deal breakers, yeah. But other things, yeah, okay, I can, I could work, I could work with that. <laughs> But there's also an element of your partner is a full package. And your partner is a human being. You, I guess. <laughs> if you're not, you should not be listening to this podcast. And, uh, are, are there options? Are there options? No. <laughs> okay. So. Except in, I think, one state. <laughs> okay, so your partner is a human being. Uh, they're they're Captain not obvious. <laughs> Captain obvious, but they're gonna have flaws because human beings have flaws. They do. <laughs> Captain obvious. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm I, I'm kidding. I mean, I think it is a fair point, and I do think, uh, especially early in relationships, at least I found, I found myself early in relationships thinking. I can't live with that forever. So uh, sometimes some of those challenges that you face early on, like they take on just, they become larger than life when you think of a 50 year contract or forever for those of you people who don't have commitment issues and actually committed to your partner forever on your yeah. wedding day even. Yeah. And 
some things right are are never going to resolve in in the course of the relationship, the marriage or whatever. Okay, so that is some really interesting research that I came across preparing for this podcast because we find we do better when we actually prepare. And that is research that teaches that the happiest relationships have issues that never get resolved. Is that why we're so happy? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I do think that there are, I mean, we were just talking about this uh, literally a couple of days ago on a walk uh, that we have some issues around our financial, our approaches to our finances, shall we say. Um, and they haven't gotten resolved for 26 years. So w what is the research actually like? Does it talk about what the issues are? Or does it go in any deeper or that was that was what you saw? No, it's more it's sort of more top line because it's not like these are specific issues that you don't need to resolve. And these are the issues that you do. Certainly, heaven knows that there are issues that must get addressed and resolved, but not necessarily every single one of them. Some things you just have to let go and your relationship, according to this research, will be happier, better for it. I think that sort of goes to what we were saying is having an understanding and an acceptance that that relationship is is not going to be perfect, that your partner is not going to be perfect and sort of if you can, and once you do accept that, if it's something you can accept, then right, then your relationship is going to be way happier. And just to be clear, there are certain things that are non-negotiable. So there are relationships that are negative and toxic and abusive, and you should not obviously just accept whatever's coming your way. Once again, there's a balance, I think, between, you want to do a scale yeah. between, go ahead. Okay. How about the Eric scale of imperfections on the low end, leaving the toilet seat up? Oh, no, I could never live with that. <laughs> on the high end, infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might be prepared to accept and forgive infidelity. Well, this is my scale. Oh, this is your scale. So if I left the toilet seat up, that would be a deal breaker? I thought this is your scale. What's the bottom of the scale that you're willing to accept? I don't know. Okay. I just <laughs> Eric totally now looks like deer in the headlights because he's thinking, crap, I need to identify something she does that makes me crazy, that bugs me. I need to tell her, but I don't want to piss her off. And I don't want her to know that she does this thing and it bugs me. But I'm willing to accept it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I had that. Did I, did I read that whole expression correctly? Yeah, I think you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no scale at this stage. No scale at this stage. Um, do you want to? It's a scale fail. <laughs> uh, I think this leads into catch up. Ah, very and important. And since we're thinking that it might be that the title of this podcast is "It's Just Catch Up," which it is time to tell the story. Oh, and duh, the low end of the scale is catch up. Ah. Of course. There, I just gave you the bottom of the scale. But share the story. No names, please. Of course. 
Well, and there's a, a little addition to this story because we were on the 99 Walks Jetty Cruise and we ended up talking to this young couple who I think had been married just a couple of years. And we mentioned that we'd been married a quarter of a century and they they asked us for advice. So They this, were adorable. They were adorable. So this was the advice we gave. So years ago, I was out with a, a group of people and we were shopping for dinner that night. We were, we were away. It was just for a weekend and we needed some things for the dinner, one of which was ketchup. And I picked up a small container of ketchup to use for the weekend. But Eric, those are so overpriced. Yeah. And my friend picked up a bigger one. And he said, I think we should get this one. And I said, well, we're just going to be here for a weekend, so uh, let's get the smaller one. And he said, no, I really, I think we should get this one. It's just a better value. And I looked at him and I said, okay. <laughs> and he looked at me and he's like, that's it? <laughs> I, I said, what do you mean? He's like, you're not going to fight? tooth and nail for your size ketchup and argue your point? I think he said his partner, he and his partner would have argued it to the death. Yeah. And I was like, yo, dude, it's just ketchup. <laughs> and that has been, I think more since we had the conversation on the cruise in particular, you and I have been using that because listen, you don't have to argue about every little thing. Like there's- You don't have to go to the mat. On every single thing because, sorry, I just jumped in yeah. and interrupted you. Jump away. Uh, because it is not always about a need to be right. Because when you fight to the death on about catch-up, what you're really arguing about is a need to be right. And, yeah, and a lot of the time you just, you just don't need to be. Sometimes you need to. You know. uh, yeah, that's, again, once again, like on the Eric scale, catch up versus. That's something regarding the safety of our kids. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and that goes to, all right, this is perfect because we're going to do the scale. So on the low end of the scale is catch up. On the high end of the scale is, wait for it, veto power. Oh, yep. So early on in our relationship, and this was something that came out predominantly of our professional relationship, but it does carry over into our personal relationship as well. And that is, we have something that we refer to as veto power. And it is rarely exercised. I want to I be really clear. It is rarely exercised. I don't know that we've ever actually exercised it because just the threat of veto power is usually enough to make the other person, uh, you know, uh, come to come around. I think if you say I would exercise veto power over that, that's basically exercising veto power. So I don't <laughs> think that's threatening. <laughs> yeah, it's not threatening. It's not ooh, I threaten that I if you do that, it, I'm going to do this. It's, it's, it's not just like, like you have a red rubber stamp that says veto on it. You do not. Okay. But what veto power is. In my estimation, you can tell me if this, and I haven't really sought to define it, so you may have to help me a little bit. But there are things that 
one of us feels so strongly about, so passionately about, that for that person, be it you or me, it's a non-negotiable. I can't live with it if blank. And we've never had like a dueling veto situation. No, because part of the thing with with veto power and vetoing is it's exercised so rarely that on the occasions that you have said, I would exercise veto power over that, I just let it go. Because what that communicates to me is this is so important to him that I just, that's that, that's that. And same for me. When you've brought it up, I've understood where you're coming from. And that's that. And just to be clear, you can't exercise veto power over like burrito night. <laughs> right? Eric wants burritos. I really don't. You want pizza. I want pizza. That is not a time for veto power. No. Veto power is something that you perceive is unsafe for, with respect to our kids, our life, our family, or something that you, gosh, are just convinced without a shadow of a doubt is the wrong thing. Yeah, something that really goes against your true values. Yes, either so unsafe or goes against your true values. Your, your maybe integrity or something else. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you an example, which I don't think either of us would necessarily exercise veto power, but here's an example where I could see it coming up. You ready? Oh, yeah. You say, I want to go to Israel right now. Right. I want to go to Israel. I want to bear witness. I want to be part of that story and part of that situation and see it firsthand. And I say, no, <laughs> we are not going. And this hasn't come up, right? But that sort of goes on the list of like something that's so big that I think that would be an appropriate use of veto power if we disagreed. What do you think? I concur. Okay. I, I think that that's a good example. Um, the other time that you almost exercised veto power and then you reneged on it, was when I said, I think we should get a second dog. <laughs> if you brought up a second dog now, I would exercise veto power, which I think I think it's sort of come up over the years that we've been one dog. I think you've sort of talked or sort of hinted around. I, or... I really haven't because while I loved Pepper and I loved having Moose and Pepper, I told you many times during the, those many years that we had two dogs that you were right. We're a one-dog family. Mm, yes. So No it, disrespect to the two-dog families out there. We're just a one-dog family. They, no disrespect at all. Yeah, I would, uh, I would exercise veto power around that for sure. So your family, your call. This one goes back early, early in our relationship, and I think... It has uh, avoided so many potential disagreements and arguments. Yeah, if if it's if it's my cousin Jaime's bar mitzvah in Boca, and I think it's important that we go, we would get on a plane and go. 
with no complaining, no second guessing, no anything. Your family, your call. You say we're going, we're going. And if I don't want to go to Cousin Jaime's bar mitzvah, and you think we should because it would be good for the family, but I don't want to, it's still my family, my call. And then the same goes for your family. Yeah, I think when you get into the family, and I suppose it works for us because we're pretty uh, even about it. It's it's not necessarily that every Thanksgiving you say, my family, my call, so we're going to my family. Obviously, we, we I don't know, we're equal about that sort of thing. Right, but this is more when it's something sort of, not dueling family obligations when it's yeah. a solo family obligation. Right. Dueling family obligations are definitely much, much trickier. So your family or call tends to go for a single family. And there are times uh, that I disagree with your decisions on whether we should go or what we should do or how to handle a family situation. And I do, I see it with, with friends all the time, getting into so much conflict trying to convince your partner to manage or engage with their family in a different way. Yeah, this this just pretty much eliminates 98% of that conflict. Yeah. And I will say if I if I don't think you're making the right call, we will discuss it. It's not necessarily a whatever you say, I just obediently follow along cuz I'm not really so good at that. Really, you share your opinion when you have one that might be different than what I'm thinking occasionally <laughs> uh, so there are times where i will say are you sure you want to do that or this is what that'll look like or maybe we should do this uh, just because i want you to think it through sometimes but at the end of the day when you make the decision and sometimes you'll say to me what do you think we should do in this situation and vice versa this goes both ways for sure right so um my mother's 90th birthday celebration we're going we're going <laughs> And we're going to be happy about it. I'm all in on that one. That, I that, know. That's an easy one. So. All right. Your family, your call. Yep. I think the, the next thing that I think we could share is the do-over. And this is one of those things, and I'll speak for myself, where for whatever reason, we'll have a conflict. And for me, I initiate it for whatever reason. And maybe, you know, maybe this could be it's just catch up. It could be something small that I'm blowing out of proportion or it could be, you know, something that just I could let go or whatever. But for whatever reason, a small issue becomes a larger issue. Or the dynamic, which it's not just us, this I'm telling you is everybody because I have researched this. You start arguing about one small thing and next thing you know, you're on like a whole tangent and you're just down this rabbit hole of disagreeing and almost, yeah, what about? <laughs> right? Like you start out talking about ketchup and next thing you know, you're talking about um, the fact that you don't bring me flowers anymore. <laughs> so one of the things that we'll do is have a do-over and one of us can usually me <laughs> can... well not usually you i appreciate that but it's really not true i am just as prone as you are to 
uh, overreact to something small and sort of dig in my heels. I think that's human nature. Yeah. So, and then you may find yourself in this situation where you're like, oh, crap, now I've dug in my heels. Now we're going beyond the ketchup. Now that the Or now we're really arguing about ketchup. And I really don't want to be here. Like you decide, like you realize like, oh, I got myself into something and and you just don't want to be there. And you will say, can I have a do-over? <laughs> and we just sort of wind the clock back to before the issue and sort of go from there or just get back to whatever that smaller issue was or just decide it's not an issue at all and move forward having a do-over. Which is sometimes hard because you're tweaked. When you're at the point where you need a do-over, both parties to the disagreement are tweaked and aggravated. Yes. And I mean, sometimes nobody calls for a do-over and we go through our process resolution <laughs> process and but sometimes like that that's sort of the feeling that i'm sort of trying to describe is you're in the thick of this situation and you realize you're not here for the right reasons <laughs> you're here for dumb ass reasons and that's when you pull out the do-over exactly so again to be clear a do-over does not apply when you are disagreeing about something meaningful a do-over applies when you are disagreeing about catch-up. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, we're, we're sort of leaning towards some of the negative stuff, which I think happens a lot in relationships. But I think there's also some positive things that we can leave people with. And I think one of the things that has been important is that we root for each other's success. Yep. You know, when I could not have been prouder and rooted any harder for your appearance on the TED stage. And, um, you know, I just I, I just feel like I'm always wishing you success. And right back at you. I had I was going to say I probably had more fun, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I had more fun at the CrossFit Games than you did. You had more <laughs> success. You had more adrenaline. You had more camaraderie. Like, you had all kinds of more things than I did. But there's no doubt that I had more fun watching you than you had fun competing. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. There were many times when I was not having fun. <laughs> Root for your partner's success. And I will leave with this thought. If you can't. If you find that you can't root for your partner's success, dig deeper and figure out why. Get some help, get some therapy, do some work on yourself because that is one of the most fundamental, not just factors, I think, to a successful relationship, but I also think it's one of the biggest kind of warning signs that there's something off if you're not rooting for their success. Oh, speaking of warning signs, have we discussed the bird test on the uh, podcast? No, but you can close out with the bird test, which I pass every time, <laughs> as do you. All right. So this is more if you're newer in a relationship or I don't, you, I don't or think you so. feel that your relationship needs work, right? No, I think or it's just... I think it's just a test that applies anytime. So if one partner let's say you're driving or you're you're sitting at the out kitchen table or out for a walk. And one person says, oh, look over there. 
That's a yellow-bellied sapsucker, <laughs> which is actually a type of woodpecker. And the other partner, so here's the test part, is lower on the scale, shall we say, if they go, oh, that's nice, and continue walking. The higher end of the scale is where, where? Oh, I see it. Look at that. How does he suck the sap like that? <laughs> and is engaged with you around that bird. And the bird is sort of a metaphor for any, you know, it's not like, oh, look, there's Bigfoot. Of course, anybody's going to be excited to see Bigfoot, but somewhat minor thing. Are they interested in what you're interested in? So on the scale of Bigfoot versus the yellow-bellied sapsucker? Yeah, they should be interested in the yellow-bellied sapsucker. <laughs> Got it. So go out, have a happy Valentine's Day, happy relationship, any time of year, and yeah. <laughs> look at birds together. <laughs> I used to think that when I went out into nature and left my phone and earbuds behind and walked in silence, letting my mind go wherever it wanted, that I was doing a walking meditation. And then I met Yael Shai, and she taught me that there's so much more to a walking meditation. It was so incredible and insightful and expanded my world in such a way that I went to Yael and I said, will you work with us to create a program, 30 days, 30 walks, that could help introduce other people to the power of a walking meditation? Can we dismantle the idea that in order to meditate, you have to sit in a dimly lit room on a cushion? Can we create a meditation program for people who love to move. And so we did Meet the Joyful Wanderer 30-Day Walking Meditation app, which is available in the Apple Store and the Google Play Store right now. <laughs>